Blog Talk Radio. Pat Summit uh, that passed away today in the, uh, unfortunately, uh, today was the day of Buddy Ryan as well. Um, so along in Kishi Free, with the Kishi Free and Tori Wilson, Oscar Lopez, I uh, welcome you to the Great Iron Blitz block here, uh, right here on Blog Talk Radio and UltimateSportsTalk.com. Um, so guys, uh, it's like a double whammy today. Uh, on a football end, we got the, the great Buddy Ryan. And on the basketball end, uh, historic and legendary, you know, leader, uh, Pat Summit. So uh, we'll have some thoughts here uh, in a couple minutes here. And we are also going to have a, a huge lineup. 
So our lineup is going to consist today of um, coming up here at 15 after the uh, Minnesota Vixen uh, owner, Laura Brown, and uh, all-star offensive line, um, Jody uh, Rolander. Um, and so they're both going to talk about the historic matchup that we've been talking about the last three weeks, which is the New York Sharks taking on the Minnesota Vixen, which is historic since 1999. These two teams have not met, and now they're going to be clashing in the Eastern Conference IWFL um, platform. And then after uh, um, Laura and uh, Jody, we are going to have Tracy Day, who's going to take us through the hard upset lost where uh, the Boston Renegades, without their uh, awesome quarterback, um, Allison Cahill, was not available to play in that game. And they stu- uh, all the Renegades stepped edging Chicago in that game. So Tracy is going to talk about that experience as well as their experience with Chicago Force um, coming from Australia, participating in the whole season so far, and then obviously the crushing loss to Boston. Boston will take on D.C. coming up uh, the next weekend, and uh, so it's a rematch of that one uh, of the one game during the season that Boston got edged from D.C., so it's going to be a very good, good matchup. So we'll go into detail with the WFA matchups as well uh, in the hour here. And uh, the WWCFL, Western w- uh, Women's Canadian Football League Finals, and we'll have Darren uh, Steinke coming over later in the hour, about 45 after or so, and we'll talk about the dynasty that is the Saskatoon Valkyries in the Western Women Canadians Football League. So, um, Troy and Kishi, um, I, I don't know. It's just uh, this morning I get up and boom, 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 you know, on the alerts. And I know she was ill yesterday. Uh, everybody was already, you know, at, at her bedside. And um, so I'm assuming, uh, you know, the good Lord decided today is the day and Buddy Ryan as well. So, uh, Troy, tell us uh, what your feelings are. Well, I mean, with, with Pat Summit, I mean, this, wow, I mean, what an advocate for women's sports. Uh, she she put women's basketball on the map. I mean, there's no doubt about it. I mean, you know, uh, right now you have the Connecticut Huskies, they're dominating with Gino Ariema, but, you know, and there's a, you know, uh, a bit of a, a, be- a better focus than it was back in the 80s. But, you know, Pat Summit, when, you know, in her heyday, at Tennessee, she put the women's game on the map. I mean, just just the, the the amount of of wins that she put together, the quality, the players that she put out there, uh, the excellence that she demanded from her players, and these players wanted to fight for her. And this is that's something that you'll see with both Pat Summit and Buddy Ryan is that their players would 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 put it all on the line for them. I mean, just look at her record. Uh, she she won 1,098 games, only lost 208. So that's a 80, that's a .841 winning percentage. Her coaching, you know, she she coached for five decades, eight NCAA championships, seven National Coaches of the Year, and then she also won the Naismith Coach of the Century, which is huge. I mean, just imagine the amount of coaches that actually went through there, and that's including the men's game: Red Auerbach, uh, Phil Jackson. Things like that, but she won that. So that just tells what kind of coach that, you know, uh, in such high regard that she was held. I mean, she went into Basketball Hall of Fame in, in, in 2000, and she was still coaching at this time. So, I mean, just uh, just a fabulous, fabulous coach. Uh, and, you know, and it's sad to hear her go, you know. Uh, but, you know, sometimes, you know, what they say is, um, you know, at least she's not in any pain anymore. So, um, but we're, we'll sorely miss her, and, and the game holds her. I mean, she. Everyone, the, the game owes her a debt. Everyone does. 
I couldn't have said it any better. In general, for uh, women's sports, Troy, uh, I think you hit it on the dot. It's it was a revolution that she started. Uh, the fact that uh, you know, in in for women's sports, uh, it was kind of uplifting, and also she set a, a, a very high bar, a standard where, you know, we're not going to make any excuses, and that's really what her attitude was. You know, you're going to step up, compete, and be a competitor, or you don't belong on the court. You know what I mean? So you got to get better. And I think that's her message is, you know, when you're up against somebody else that is better, the only way to beat that person uh, is to get better yourself, to be competitive. And that's her statement is to be competitive. Try to be as competitive as possible. Yeah, and you, and you cannot put a, a price on such a motivator like that. I mean, again, her players will run through a wall for her. And you will see the same thing with Buddy Ryan. And, you know, speaking of Buddy Ryan, you know, he also passed away today. You know, he's a great defensive mind, innovator of the 46 defense in Chicago for the Chicago Bears. Um, he was the sole reason that they even won the, the Super Bowl. I mean, most of their players will come back and say that. You talk to any of their players, Wilbur Marshall, um, uh, Dave Dorson, uh, all of these guys will come back and say the reason why we won that game, including Mike Dickens. Even though he and Mike Dicker did not get along, but that is not <laughs> that is not a right. surprise because Buddy Ryan did not get along with pretty much any of his coaches when he was there, on any team. As a matter of fact, I mean, we all remember uh, him, him being on the sideline with the Oilers and punching Kevin Gilbride in the face, and then he went <laughs> out of there and went to to Arizona. Everywhere he's gone, he's kind of rubbed people the wrong way, you know. But what a what a coach! I mean, if you talk but he to wasn't any there of to make friends. Yeah, exactly. But he wasn't if, there to make friends. He was there to coach. You you talk to any of his defensive players. They loved the guy. They absolutely adored the guy, and they were run through a wall for him. And, you know, anytime you have that kind of influence, and, you know, he basically he, – not even basically. He, he actually made the greatest defense of all time. It still stands to this day. The Chicago Bears are held in the yeah. highest regard just because of Buddy Ryan. Well, I um, as a former basketball player, I've just kind of not been in shock, but I've been very reflective all day. As a child, we used to go to the Georgetown Hoyas game um, when Big John first came to the Hoyas, and my dad would take us. So. Basketball was my first sport. Um, While watching the Hoyas, I got introduced to cheerleading, which, of course, everybody knows is my other love. But basketball was my first sport, even though it wasn't the first sport I actually played, which was soccer. And I'll never forget watching the women's Olympic team with Cheryl Miller bring home gold. Because until that moment, as a female athlete, I never saw anyone else who looked like me playing sports, not as an African-American nor as a female. All televised sports were always men. 
And I'll never, ever forget that moment. But it's because of a Pat Summit that those women were ready and able to play. It's because of her hard work and her sacrifices that those women were ready at a moment's notice to play and perform on the world's biggest stage and elevate women's sports in the United States to a place I'd never seen. Now, of course, all the women on the team didn't play for Pat Summit. That's not what it's about. It's for me as a female, former female athlete, you know, I'm out of the game now, obviously, and didn't play pro, but as a former female athlete, I don't think you guys as men can understand what that moment meant. Someone who looked like me, I cannot, I, I can still in my mind's eye as a little child, I can see the ticker tape coming down. I can see Cheryl Miller and all of those ladies holding up their gold medal. And I had tears in my eyes as a child, and I said, I can do that too. I never said that before. Never occurred to me. Never occurred to me. Because women's sports did not get the recognition in this country for equality. And I'll tell you something else. Two years ago, I was attending a luncheon. And it was to celebrate fabulous people in Southern Maryland who had made a difference, you know, in the region. And one of the ladies that was recognized was a little bitty, teeny, tiny white lady, barely 5'4", looks like your stereotypical bookworm. Her name was Margaret Dunkel. And I thought, well, why are we recognizing this little bitty lady named Margaret Dunkel? You know, she was the uh, featured speaker. Well, it turns out Margaret Dunkel was one of the ladies that helped write the Title IX bill. She was one of the ladies that helped to do the research that made Title IX possible for a PAT summit. And I'm sitting at a table listening to her tell her story about the hours and hours and hours of research, about the hours of poring over books, looking at the laws for men's sports, and then looking at the condition under which women played. And this little bookworm helped make a Title IX possible that a Pat Stomach could be the legend that she is today. I, again, sat there as a grown woman with tears in my eyes because I played basketball. Because this little short woman made it possible. When I went to college, I got my books for free because I was still an athlete, even though most people don't consider cheerleading an athlete. But guess what? My books were paid for. I had I, I had friends who were school on a college scholarship because of that little short bookworm sitting right there in front of me. And, uh, and, and again, for me, 
losing Pat Summit today is more than just a coach. She's more than just her stats and her figures and her statistics and her wins and her losses. She was a possibility. She was a flame. Well, we can always say, yeah, we can say that um, she truly is a pioneer, not just for the basketball aspect of it, for women's sports in general. For women's sports, absolutely. Yeah, to put us on the map, uh, to put women's sports on the map. I mean, every sport probably benefited from the fact that she strived for uh, the goal, which is, you know, if you're not competitive, then you don't belong. You have to be competitive. Exactly. And and she mentioned in the the opening piece, even in life, in everyday work life, you you are uh, measured against others and you have to compete. It's just the way it is in every industry. Yeah. So you have to. I mean, we're probably here because of a Pat Summit. I mean, think about what we're doing. What what we're doing, yeah, we are exactly. elevating women's sports, and, and we are here yep. because of the Pat Summit, and it's just it's just a, a moment, and of course my heart goes so, out uh, to the Ryan family. Yeah. So in Kishi, uh, we'll dive into uh, Buddy Ryan later uh, in the hour. We still have a little bit of time. So for the moment, we're going to go ahead and uh, start our No Joke Football Huddle. No Joke Football, sponsored by Zazzle, Zazzle.com where you can go to get our No Joke football gear and brand gear. And you can go to zazzle.com forward slash gridironbeauties. Check the daily codes. You can save up to 40% off on a daily. And it helps us uh, sponsor and support another talented player globally uh, through our branding. So No Joke football, playing American football. Their game is no joke. So let's go into the huddle. And let's bring in the uh, owner of the Minnesota Vixen and their all-star offensive lineman, uh, Laura Brown and uh, Jody Raylander. So let's bring them in here into the huddle. So uh, Laura and Jody, uh, this is Oscar Lopez, part of the Blitz. You're on with Troy Wilson and Nkishi Free. And uh, you know what, Laura, we're going to go ahead. We normally just start off the bat with football, but since it's such a, you know, uh, a moment today, uh, I, you know, if you want to say a couple words about Pat Summit and how that, how she's impacted maybe your team or the sport in general, uh, you know, we can start off with that. Yeah, for sure. Actually, this is this is uh, Moose. Um, I, my name is Jody, but don't call me that. Call me Moose because I don't know who. If you call me Jody, I'm not sure I would respond. So um, also. <laughs> okay, Moose. Also, also I'm a linebacker, not an O lineman. I'm not sure where that came from, but uh, I'm I'm the middle linebacker for the team. LBs, LBs. Um, okay. Absolutely, but I will say for Pat Summit, um, I grew up watching her, right? I mean, all glued to the TV through uh, February and March, and you knew that the teams that were coming out of Tennessee were going to be tough and uh, and playing hard and competitive, and they were going to be in the final eight or the final four, and uh, that was just something that was a, a given as long as Pat Summit sat in that coaching chair in Tennessee. And I think for, you know, girls of uh, of that generation, um, I'm not going to try to date myself too much. Um, I think for, 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 for girls who came up watching Tennessee and Pat Summit and that legacy, um, that really – planted the seed um, of competitiveness that I think you're seeing now come out in women's football and women's soccer 
And Title Nine, like you said, um, you know, I was telling my husband this morning, you know, Pat Summit and Buddy Ryan, wow, Heaven's sports section just got really cool. So. Yeah, and, and I mean, I think she transcends uh, more of just in general women's sports, to your point. It's not just about one sport. I really, you know, to uh, Tori's point, I think she brought and elevated the awareness and to Nkishi's point based on Title Nine, really – uh, put a face to the fact that you could have competitive women's sports. And then I, at Tennessee, she really elevated her game with her success by trying to make sure that the, the women's sports programs were on equal footing as the men's. Because I know in Tennessee, the men's programs were not as competitive or as renowned, but she really you know, separated herself from the men's sports and the women's sports, where the women's sports were a little bit more uh, taken into account. And we're talking about softball, we're talking about also basketball in general. Absolutely. For sure. I mean, when you call when when the nickname of the basketball arena is the Summit, I mean, that says something right there. And her legacy, I mean, with people like Don Staley going on to coach um an Olympic gold medal team, I mean, that that you you can't um it, you can't even put words to it. It's just um, it's it's the passing of a legend, and uh, I, I I would put her right up there. Um, you know when John Madden goes, when when uh, Vince Lombardi, I would put her right up there with those greats um, as far as coaching goes. What what she was able to do with limited resources and a pretty hard scrabble background, um, nothing short of amazing. Laura, you got any uh, any uh, points on uh, or thoughts on uh, Pat Summit? Um, the only thing I can really do is just reiterate that as, you know, female athletes, there aren't a lot of great role models out there, certainly not as many as there are for the men. So, I mean, it's something that, you know, female athletes need at any age, whether it's little girls or adult women. And I think particularly, though, for the young girls to see that, hey, there's something that I can grow up and do with sports, whether it's play or coach or be a commentator, but there's a place for me to do this beyond high school, beyond college. And, um, yeah, I mean, there's just not a lot else that, that I can, I think, add that we haven't already said about her. Yeah. Uh, Laura, in, in the transition phase with the women's game, I mean, we're talking about the IWFL starting in 2000. We're in 2016. A lot of the veterans or a lot of the people that I talk with in the sport uh, seem to tell me that, you know, everybody's phasing out. In other words, you know, they're, the, they're on their last leg in terms of competing on a national team. Uh, for some, this is another, another realm, just like Pat Summit is a coach. But for some of the uh, women specifically, some women that are branching out or leaving the sport in terms of women's football are starting to see the coaching side as an avenue. And I know a lot of it happens in Canada. Uh, a lot of it's happening now, obviously, in the States in, in different realms. So um, I, I think that's a good sign because – the growth of the sport needs it. And then if you have players that have played it over a, a long tenure of time, who better to coach the next generation of uh, women into the sport? Oh, absolutely. We even have um, two players here that actually ended up coaching a, a boys team, you know, so there, here's this boys team that has two female coaches running it that, you know, are Vixen players. And, and that's a great model for those young men as they're playing the sport too. And I think we'll start seeing that more and more as, you know, our, our players are phasing out of playing, that they might be coming in and, you know, coaching on the teams that they play for, obviously. But I think also, I think as we see youth football take off and USA football puts some more resources into that, 
Um, one of our local programs here for the boys is actually they're advertising and trying to get some girls on the boys' team, and they're pushing for that. And so I think uh, having those female role models, again, for boys and girls is, is a great thing to do. And these women love football. They're going to want to be involved, whether it's playing, coaching, or owning, you know, or blogging, writing, being a fan. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's not just a, a men's sport. It's pretty universal. And I think that's something that's a little bit overlooked is the business opportunity that you get um, being part of these women's football teams. You know, in the end, we're running small businesses, right? We're trying to get marketing and fans and supporters and social media and, and, and press. So the the skills that women are learning just by per, even if you're only ever just a player, you watch and you know whether your team is successful off the field. I mean, you just do. So the experience that we're giving women on and off the field, it probably there's no value on that either. Yeah, that's a great point. I mean, myself, no, exactly. I, I came from a little bit of yeah, I came from a little bit of a business background, but I was in more of a franchise system. So coming in, you know, to you know, owning the Vixen, there was obviously a lot of skills that I already had, but a lot of different skills. You know, I didn't have to do a lot of marketing and things like that. I didn't have to, you know, do all the advertising or try to drive fans or people into my location because it was a franchise and the system took care of a lot of that. So there's been a lot that I've learned from, um, you know, from previous owners, from owners of other teams, just from reading, from talking to coaches, things like that, trial and error. And um, it, it definitely enhanced a lot of those skills that, you know, can be, you know, used to grow this sport more and, and things that I can actually take back to my other regular employer as well. <laughs> you <know? laughs> You're right, because nobody does this to make money yet. <laughs> true, very true. Um, I mean, a perfect example is Boston. You know, the owner left and they had to literally – start from scratch which is the renegade so that's almost a perfect example of how you know you had to have uh you know integral management and everything is networking and if you're not networking you're really out of luck because you really Mm -hmm. have to network i mean there's players within Mm -hmm. your team that have so many skill sets to offer uh not on a not just on a volunteer aspect but they can also offer it in terms of within the team once things are situated and you're able to you know afford something of of a income but there's a lot of people that are skill set in different different facets, and we've talked about it. You know, there's a diversity in the women's game. Um, so within the team and within the community, there's a lot of uh, things that you can take from each player that can benefit the team and also benefit the overall aura of the team to the fan base. Um, Laura, it, you know what? Uh, we talked to Neil two weeks ago uh, when the uh, potential playoff picture looked like it was going to be historic, and now it's come to reality. Uh, since '99, uh, since your franchise uh, faced the New York Sharks, we are now in 2016, yeah. and this is going to be for the right to go to the national championship. So, how excited is everybody in your realm? Oh, I just got goosebumps when you said that. That's how excited we are. <laughs> yeah, we're we're pretty excited. I mean, every everybody from every single player, every coach. You know, my, myself, the other owners, the other staff members, every, everyone's just, you know, excited to just not even be, you know, going into the playoffs, having an 8-0 season, being undefeated, you know, incredibly proud of that. 
and, and then being able to play an amazing organization like the New York Sharks. And then you throw in all this history. And as the Vixen, we actually have three players that were originally on that roster in 1999, and Moose here was actually one of them. Yeah. You know. It was so foggy that day in 99 that at some points we couldn't see the other end of the field. Um, it was wow. so cold. Yeah, it was so cold that, uh, like, the punts were like frozen rocks to to catch. It was it was um, probably the worst, if not the second worst, if not the worst conditions I've ever played in. But hey, you know what? Um, we we were we got to play football, and uh, how many people get to say that? So, eh, it's just it's just weather. <laughs> Spoken like a true linebacker. Oh, you gotta love that. Hey, um, come on, man. Look, that, look, you you guys just gave me goosebumps now. I'm like, hold up, man. This this is great. All right, I like, I love it. I love it. So, so yeah, Troy, I mean, Troy, uh, that's kind of like football weather uh, that you come from as well. Muddy and probably you can't see the other side of the field. That's sort of an advantage and a disadvantage, I guess. <laughs> oh yeah, the muddier, the dirtier, the better. You gotta love that part of it. Absolutely. I, I'm almost sad sometimes that we don't play on grass a lot anymore because I'll tell you, um, I remember playing for um, a, a game uh, in Alabama and it was so muddy that there was a puddle at midfield and after the the game was over, we just all went and belly flapped into the puddle. I came home. <laughs> nice. Nice. We did. It was awesome. So, so we came home on the bus covered in mud. Yeah, I, I think I had to wash everything like four times, but it was awesome. Wow. <laughs> wow. <laughs> See, that's a true football football player right there. I, I hate when they when they say, "Oh, we we, we played on AstroTurf." What is that, AstroTurf? <laughs> you might as well just be on Pluto or something. Just, uh, yeah, right. just not good. Um, um, so, uh. Jody uh, Moose, I, I keep saying yeah. Jody, but anyway, <laughs> Moose, um, yeah. how how historic will this be for you as a player? I mean, this is kind of full circle, 99 now in 2006, but it's totally different because now you're playing for the big prize. Is that is that something that yeah. you you know you've died, dug in so far? Yeah, um, for me, for my personal story, it's even more poignant, I guess, because. When I came to try out for the team in 99, I, um, I, look, I'm 5'1 and 165 pounds on a good day. So, you know, it's and it, I will always tell you, it is not about the size of the dog in the fight, right? I, I can hit just as hard as somebody twice my size. But I, in that 99 season tryouts, you know, there were 80 women and 80 women who were really athletic. And we didn't know much about football. I mean, that first year we had girls – uh, screw their face masks on upside down. And, I mean, that's funny, right? But you can't really laugh because we didn't know any better. Um, we didn't know how to put the pads in the pants. You know, we could lace up our cleats and put the socks on the right feet, and that was kind of about it when it came to a football kit. So we um, we we did that 99 season, and I'll tell you, I saw the field for special teams for three years, and that was the extent of my playing. And I knew that... I had more than that in me. So I stuck around and I kept coming back and every season I got better. And then I was the starting fullback and then I was the starting linebacker. And in 2014, I made the all-star team. And this year I made the all-star team again. And for me to be taking the field on uh, July 9th against the New York Sharks as the starting middle linebacker, 
when the first time I played them, I was on the field for punts and kickoffs. Um, that's pretty special to me. So that that's that, that's the kind of stories that I wish um, were getting more attention because they're good stories. They're just as good as anything that's in the NFL, and there's a thousand of them. So um, that that's the kind of thing I, I wish that this game could could uh, could achieve. I think oh, we're on the right path. Um, <laughs> I think we're on the right path because it, given your history, and you just said it right now. Uh, it, it looks like you got your license to kill in 2014, and then you got your stars. And so it was nice. You know, it's it's been rewarding. And uh, as a linebacker, yeah. Troy will tell you, that's probably the most rewarding aspect of being a linebacker is the amount of potential hits that you can get on a quarterback. So uh, congratulations on your uh, all-star nominee. Thank you. Thank you. Yep. No. So and Laura, the, the uh, thing is, go ahead. Oh, I was just say the thing is, you know, I I have again, I have a personal story, and it's a good story. But again, there's a thousand of these stories, and I play on a team with Red Bryant, who is potentially the best defensive line woman this game has ever seen. But no one knows that because we don't get the press, and we and we don't get um, splashy front color pages on the sports section. I mean, this woman is six foot two, almost three hundred pounds, and when she hits you, sometimes you don't get up, okay? And 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 I'm talking about her, and I'm talking about her own teammates. So it's the 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 ability to play with people like that and perform at this high level after all of these years is just it's so special. And and I really wish that we could get more attention for it. Most and Lori, I wanted to ask you guys a question. Um, do you think that part of the problem as far as, like, getting viewership for the women's game is actually marred by America's infatuation with the NFL game and the college games? And the reason why I ask that is this, because I, I'm pretty much a football junkie. If you ask me to watch something and I know it's on, I'm going to go ahead and check it out. I don't care what kind of football it is, I'll watch it. Like, I I caught myself last Friday watching Canadian football, and I'm flipping back and forth between that and and arena football where Tampa and Orlando are playing. And everybody's looking at me like I'm, you know, sitting there, you know, talking to my friends. They say, what you doing? Oh, I'm watching football. What football? And I'm like, arena and Canadian. And they're like, ah, man, that's not real football. And it kind of like – it hit me at that point because, you know, I've also been, you know, covering the women's game. And then it just hit me at that point. I'm just like, I really don't think people really can appreciate the, you know, what goes into it and and the actual quality of the gameplay that I've seen from the women's game and also in, in other levels of men's football. So I just wanted to ask you guys, do you think that people's perception of the NFL is, you know, as it being the end-all, be-all as football, do you think that that actually hinders you guys' development as far as, like, getting notoriety? You know, I, I certainly don't think it's it's helping a lot. I mean, there's only a pie that's so big to be cut up. You're going to have your football fanatics like yourself, football in any shape or form that's out there. But I heard uh, Beckham being interviewed one time when he first came to the United States playing soccer, and they talked about, well, do you think soccer is now going to be elevated to the level of, like, you know, basketball or football or baseball in the United States? And he, he flat out said no in the interview. And people were shocked. And he said, you know, you, you look at other places in the world, and, you know, what do they have for sports? 
you know, and you already got the United States, you already have basketball, baseball, hockey, football. You have all these things that are competing for the consumer's, you know, time. Ultimate Frisbee. Yeah, ultimate Frisbee, you know, know, soccer and things like that. Um, You know, if we really want to get fans, we need to have a a good product. Um, I personally think that, you know, you have to find your niche maybe even a little bit more. And I think a great model for us here in Minnesota is the St. Paul Saints. You know, if you want to go see Major League Baseball, we got the Twins. You can go see the Twins, and maybe they're not doing the best this year. <laughs> they're, they're in the Major League. They're, yep. in the major league. they're in the Major League. Well, you can say it. But, you know, the Saints, the Saints make it, it – it's fun. It's entertaining. You know, um, with the passing away of Prince recently, they had a Prince night, and all nine players came out in little tiny red Corvettes onto the field. <laughs> I missed that one. Yeah, you know um, – so, so it's, it's, you go there to be entertained and to have a great family night and friends night, and it's, it's people who love baseball, but they also get another certain level of entertainment, and you can get better access to the players. Yeah. Um, you know, the NFL, some people have gotten a little jaded looking at the NFL, and I think that's a great opportunity for us to kind of step in there and say, well, here, you know, you can actually meet our players, and it's, it's a little bit different approach to the game than what the NFL is doing. I don't know what do you think, Louis. No, I agree. I think um, you know the when you bring in the violence of the NFL, both on and off the field. I mean, let's be real about it. Mm-hmm. Um, you have an opportunity from a you know from a very cynical PR standpoint. Hey, look, you know, as far as we know, um, no one's ever beat up their wife or husband um, on on a women's football team, and and you know, again. What are the stories? Where where can we penetrate into someone's psyche um, into to say that here are if you like football, try this out. Here's an opportunity to get some new fans to say, you know, we're out here pretty much for the love of the game. Because the last time I checked, you know, even if you had a hundred percent bonus, a hundred percent of zero is still zero. So um, we we're out here. Um, I mean, right now we're sitting in the back of my car on a beautiful summer night in Minnesota and. Um, how how often can you say that your passion allows you to do something like that? So, and I think you also need to ask yourself too when you look at high school football. Why why are people you know there's some some towns and places in America where mm-hmm. high school football rules. So Texas. you know, yeah. and um, even here in Minnesota in small towns where everything shuts down and they all go to the football game yep. on Friday night. So why is that attracting people there? Because they're not competing with the NFL. So, again, it, it's finding out what your product is. And, and sometimes, too, I get a little down because everybody wants us to talk about how are we going to be up there with the NFL? How are we going to make money to pay all our players? Maybe we don't have to. Yeah, right? well, and I, I think the first thing to look at is, is how can you make your team strong so it can support itself yeah. economically so that you can continue on so we don't have teams forfeiting or folding and, and popping up and shutting down and coming back and forth and to try to make the league more stable. I mean, that's, you know, it, women's football across all leagues is, is we need to make it more stable, and that's that's really the first step. Yeah, and that's a great point because um, forfeits, right, and even the Vixen, we had a three-game season. We played one game at home, one game in Arizona, and one game in Indiana, and that was it. That's all we had the money for. But by God, we were not going to let the team not play for a season, and that's the reason we can say we're the longest continuously operating women's football team in the country because we had a dedicated group of women who decided this will not die. It's too cool. We've put too much of our passion into this, and it's then 
realizing that the product itself, you know, five years ago we had 50 people try out and we stumbled into the end of the season with, I think, what, 14, 15? Yeah, something like that. This year we had over 100 women try out. And we offered contracts to, what, about 80 of them, give or take? Yep. Yeah. And then we're going to finish the season, you know, with close to 40 on the active roster, which is more than a lot of teams can say. So it is the off-field work that drives the on-field machine. And if you don't get both going, you just won't be successful. I mean, I, I think there's a, a there are 50 defunct women's football franchises that prove that over and over again. So, Laura, on the aspect of, of franchising, because everybody does it, but do you feel like the women's game is such a puzzle that that's why it doesn't get the respect that it does? Or is it something that needs to be retracted and only one umbrella league could do that? Because that's been the debate for years. And I know you're an owner and you can only speak for the IWFL, but but a lot of a lot of owners that I've spoken to in the past, in the last four years, feel like there's not a real commitment to elevate the sport as a one umbrella league. And, and no, you know, no, no matter what the internals are at this point, but do you feel like it should be one umbrella league in terms just to make a statement with sponsors and just to get maybe yeah. uh, the fan bases or the media to notice it? You know, um, you know, it's hard to say, you know, I mean, it's, I can't even speak for the IWFL, but I can speak for our team. And I mean, I think in some people that's, you know, that's a magic cure that they think, oh, if we just had one league, everything would resolve itself. You know, well, if you had one league and you still got a lot of forfeits, you still have a lot of turnover and this owner decides to shut down their team. So then that team's gone and someone else has to start a new team and they want a new name, but it's mostly the same organization. You know, that's, that's, you know, with the, the victim, we've been fortunate because we've been able to brand ourselves so long and it's helped us. Um, yeah. Could it help? Yeah, it could potentially help a lot, particularly if you get more things about it. You know, until we get some resources behind these teams, though, you know, travel's always going to be an issue no matter if we have one league or multiple leagues. Um, you know, but I think when you look at the fact that there are multiple leagues and, you know, a lot of cities have multiple women's teams in them, that shows you that there's enough desire there for these women to want to be playing the sport. You know, and, and sometimes we need to look at that. And some of the markets can support multiple teams and some of the markets can't. And so that's something to just in itself even look at. Well, I want to jump on something that you guys said earlier about the um, fact that you've got, you know, the minor league teams and then you've also got the high school teams and those aren't professional, you know, in reference to Troy's point about the competition. But one of the things about the high school team is that what you've built is a connection. Like down here where I live in Maryland, we have a team that's not, it's a baseball league. It's an independent. It's not even associated with the minors. But the team has gone above and beyond the call of duty to integrate themselves into the community so that the community has bought in that this is their you know, I love the con what you guys said about the people coming in and the Corvettes and, you know, things like that. And you're right, that speaks to what's important and we have to figure out how to continue shows like this to make sure you all get the recognition that you deserve to get the emotional connection and buy in from the community. 
right, because, I mean, we belong to the Chamber of Commerce in the area that we play games, and we signed a multi-year contract with a field to to stay there. I mean, that had been one of our problems in the past um, for drawing fans. We, we, we joked that we sometimes were going to call ourselves the Minnesota Gypsies because we had to move every year because we, we never had the same playing field every year. In fact, this year and last year, are just about the first time we've had a steady playing uh, field in um, in the history of the franchise. Um, we have an integrative care agreement with a local health sciences university where the players get treated for free. Um, we get massage, uh, chiropractic care, and acupuncture. And it's stuff like that and having a base. I mean, you're exactly right. It's It's finding those community partnerships and feeding them and growing them that really is the key, um, no matter whether we want to compete with the NFL um, in the future or not. Yeah, it's absolutely. I mean, when I first acquired the team three years ago, one of the first things that I recognized pretty quickly during my first year is we need a home, and we need a home where the community wants us there, encourages us there. And, um, you know, it didn't take us long. After our first year there, pretty soon, you know, the local cable company was like, hey, we want to put you guys on TV and things like that, and we are actually one of their number one broadcasts that they do. Um, the, the community, we do a, we actually started a couple of years ago, we do a clinic for young girls, actually women of all ages, and, you know, Park and Rec reached out to us and said, hey, we would love to put this as part of our Park and Rec, and it's, it's really making that so, I mean, one of the visions that I have for our team is that we're kind of settling in with this community, being part of a, our smaller community with that city and the surrounding cities. And then eventually, you know, hopefully the entire state of Minnesota will learn about us and adopt us just like we have with the Minnesota Twins or the Minnesota, you know, Vikings and things like that. And, and they'll have that same pride that they have, you know, for us. But I, I think you have to start with, with a smaller community and, and build it. Yeah, and, and, and those are the types of connections I think that really help and and to make the difference in terms of again, like you guys said, elevating and creating, you know, the awareness that you guys have a product and that you have a good product as well. Because mm-hmm. it really does help, you know, from a marketing standpoint and the fact that you've already gone back and you've made the difference in giving back to the community. I know, um, because I work full-time with people, I do public relations full-time, and I work with people with um, disabilities in the minor league, I keep saying minor league, but they're really not. The independent league um, that we have down here, one of the things they do is a community caravan day, and for the past five years, they come out every year, and they play um, a game of baseball. Now, it's not the entire team, but about a, a deep, but the number of players has grown each year. And this year we had players, they had the manager and two base coaches who came out to participate with us. So even just that partnership has grown from literally four players. So now we've got players and coaches who are like, oh, yeah, we want to go to that event, you know, when they come to their community service. And that's the kind of – thing that builds those community bonds and recognitions and I'm really waiting and hoping that you guys are definitely going to get that well we sure hope so so Moose um, the, the the Sharks are next on your target list um, pretty tough you got Karen Mulligan pretty historic quarterback 
um, and they got a pretty good team out there, good coaching staff, and a great owner. And then you guys have in your own right uh, a, a pretty pretty good quarterback in Kirsten. So can you tell us a little yep. bit about your team this year, from quarterback to offense? It's been pretty a pretty good season. Sorry, our practice is ending, and, and uh, we, we're maybe kind of loud. It's okay. <laughs> so um, no problem. We, uh, we uh, on the mission, you know, championship teams have um, uh, they find a way to gel, right? Whether it's you know so, some championship teams they hate each other off the field, but when they come together, they just know how to gel. I mean, we we're we're the opposite, thankfully. Um, you know, we hang out at each other's houses. We eat breakfast at each other's houses on game days. Um, and what we've found is, is some athletically talented people who also understand the heart of a champion. I, I can't stress that enough. We have players, you know, Red, Michelle, myself, who've been here forever. We've got five- and six-year players who, who came and found a home. And then we've got this great class of rookies that just came in and contributed right away and we all we all just understand that it's 11 women doing their job to the best of their ability and um if we win great and it's just been fantastic that on eight saturdays well seven saturdays in a forfeit uh during this season we ended up on the right side of that equation because it, it is truly any given Saturday, and maybe on July 9th, although I hope not, we're not the better team, but I'll tell you what, no one cares more, no one loves this game more, and no one understands what it is to take the field as a women's football player than the Minnesota Vixens. Yeah, and I think I would add to that the other one, the other key component there is our coaching staff. Oh, I don't, I don't think they get ready. Sorry, coaches. I don't think they get recognized enough, but we have a, a great coaching staff here that's just amazing at how dedicated they are, how they're willing to, to work with these brand-new players that have never played before. And then we have our 18-year veterans that are still learning from our coaches. Absolutely. Um, and they're just they're so dedicated with the amount of film they watch and the amount of time that they're willing to spend, spend with the players. And sometimes they have to step back and say, yeah, how am I going to explain this a little different, <laughs> you know, and things like that. And um, I don't know what we would do without them. Yeah. I bet for every hour of practice, they put in three hours of study and preparation. And, you know, our coach, when he comes to practice, he has a basically a binder of how the day's practice is going to go. Um, it's a little different. It, the, you know, there's the same period, right? You have individual time and then you have team time and stuff. So there's the same elements, but it's always a little bit different. And there's always a word of the day, you know, something inspiring from somebody famous. And then there's always a, hey, one play at a time, one game at a time. And just a reminder that it's football. It's not necessarily rocket science. We're out here to learn with and from each other and create a really good product on the field. And then, by the way, we end up being pretty good football players, too. You know, <laughs> so, yeah. I mean, we we uh, we, held, we allowed the fewest points okay. in, in the league this year. I mean, as the starting middle linebacker, I'm just a little bit proud of that. Um, you know, so. <laughs> I mean, really, only, only one defensive touchdown the entire year and one, one touchdown on special teams. And I mean, 
even that one on Thursday, we had nine kickoffs that game. True. Yeah, that's true. We did. Yeah. That, that's incredible. You, you got to love those numbers right there. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that, that's that's that Buddy Ryan type stuff right there. I mean, that's, that's, oh, that's yeah, locked right? down defense, oh. you know, speaking of that. Yep. Yeah. So, I mean, we don't, if we're going to blitz, we're gonna, we might show it because you still have to stop it. Yep. I mean, it's not not trying to be cocky or anything, but we have a darn good defense. Our interior line, again, about 600 pounds of women. Um, and I, I would not want to be in the middle of that sandwich. But that front four is coming every snap. They're coming, and they're relentless, and they're not going to stop. You know, and then, so you, and then great great linebackers. We picked up some great rookies at corner and stuff this year, and our, our safety oh, here in she's, she's just amazing. Shut uh, down. Yeah. yeah. So do you guys feel like that your defense is, is, is basically the backbone and the strength of your team? It, yes, um, traditionally it has been. Um, although I will say the nice thing about this year is that we play, we get to play lights out because we can, not because we have to. Because you know sometimes our offense has been the weaker part of the game. But I mean, again, Kirsten Hansen, what a find! Yeah. I mean, a football fan, a football player as a high schooler. And to come into this game and the things that that kid can do with her feet, and I say kid because she's a lot younger than I am, um, the things that that kid can do with her feet and her brain, uh, it is it is amazing. Um, in, in 19 years of football, I have not seen a, a quarterback like that. Yeah. To find someone that has oh, that wow. athletic talent, that intelligence, and that, that work ethic, and then not only that, just humble and a, just a great lady. Yeah. I mean, it, personally, great. Yeah, I mean, progressions as a quarterback. I, I mean, if if you understand how this, the concept is easy to grasp, right? One read, first read, second read, third read. But to right. be able to pick that up as a rookie, and to implement that in your game, and then it quickly go one, two, three, not there, boom, I'm out of there. Yeah. As a rookie, that's heady stuff. That is. That is. Yeah. yeah. And again, you know, applauding our, our head coach Brandon Flinka, who is also our quarterback. Yes, I mean, just hell of a job, hell of a job. You know, I mean, we had multiple rookies that we had out there this year, and some veteran players looking at them to see who, you know, who was going to step in this year because we knew that Emily Evans was not going to be here in the postseason, and so we we knew that we were going to have to be looking at some quarterback stuff, and then for him to, you know, I, first of all, identify Kirsten and work with her from early on and develop those skills. That's that's an amazing to do. So, you know, on on the field I I think we match up pretty well with, with anybody. You know, I it's okay, let me be honest. I think if we go to the WFA we'd be a tier two team, but we'd be at the top of the tier two, right? Pushing for tier one within a couple of seasons. Because you have to play the you have to beat the best to be the best, right? So you have to start somewhere. But I'll tell you um, from a football perspective, we are solid, we are disciplined, we are hard-nosed, and we're coming to get you. So, yeah, take that, Sharks. Now, you know what I was going to say was I love what you said, and you know what, that's something else that speaks to what Troy said and what you guys and what we, I think we've all said tonight about women's sports is that women's athletics tend to be so hardcore fundamental like yeah. you, like like I like literally, ladies in women's sports are so hardcore fundamental in terms of 
what you all put on the field. And especially when you guys were talking about the blitz package just now, saying, yeah, we'll show you the blitz, but doesn't matter what we show you, can you stop it? And I love that. That is the attitude that makes watching you guys so much fun. And we'll be on TV so you can watch us on the 9th. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> yeah, all, so our, wanna... all our games are televised locally here, and then they're live web streams. So it's it's something that's exposed us to a whole new fan group, which has been amazing. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, you talk about those fundamentals, and I think, you know, again, our coaches and our players understand that, you know, it's it's not just being, you know, an athlete. It's, it's you got to have, you know, you got to have the physical, but you got to have the mental aspect to learn the game and be concentrating and know what you're doing out there. And then you got to have the heart and the attitude and the aggression and all three of those things along with, you know, that athleticism need to come together. Yep. And I think that's something that makes Absolutely. this team really special. Yeah. I mean, in eight games, well, okay, seven and forfeit again, but in, in, in seven real games, we have two fumbles and two interceptions. Um, that's not bad. We're, we're pretty proud oh, of wow. that. Yeah. I mean, the, 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 the mental thought process that these women are doing with the mental reps and studying their playbooks and learning everything that they can from the coaching staff is, is just amazing. And, and the dedication and the work is there. Yep. And then on the other side, our defensive end, Madison Schmatz is leading the league with eight and a half sacks. Um, I think Sheena Reed, uh, one of our tackle, lead tackles is uh, first or second uh, for tackles for loss. Um, and we, you know, some of the some of the statistics, some of the teams, and I'm not sure if I believe it or not, but someone that has like 70 tackles in a season, well, okay, you're an all-star. But um, we we have we have eight players in double digits for tackles, and to me, that tells me it doesn't matter where you run, we'll find you and we'll put you down. We probably could use a seminar on how to take proper staff as a. Yeah, right. If there's two people there, you can have a tackle, not one for each of you. I do all the stats for our team, and I'm a huge stickler. Like, I mean, I've read the NCAA PDF every time I come out, and I I read it, I I go through it, and sometimes I look at other team stats, and I'm like, how do they have more tackles than offensive players? So, you guys are awesome. I'm like, well, you know, yeah, it was it was a team tackle. You know, there was, you know, two, three, four, five of you all there, but you yeah. don't all get one. You don't all get one. <laughs> I hear about it sometimes, <laughs> but not very often. Running to the football. That is absolute <laughs> football one-on-one fundamentals. I love to hear stuff Oh, like of course. That. There sure. you go. Yep. you got to get there. you got to get there. <laughs> Yep. So tell me, how do you how you guys feel like you know how do you feel going into this game coming up? I mean, because you guys are going to take them on. I believe it's on uh, July eighth. Is that it? No, ninth, ninth. Yep. yep. No, That'd July ninth. July ninth. Yep. So how, how you do know, you guys feel going into that game? It's going to be tough. The Sharks is the best team we've seen. We've got film. You know, we've we've been looking at film. Um, we we have um, we know they've got legit players, right? They've got threats in the passing game. They've got threats in the running game. Like you said, Mulligan is no joke as a quarterback. Um, it's going to be tough. But, again, we have a plan. We'll stick to the plan. Um, we have, again, coaches who can adjust on the fly really well. Yeah. So, you know, it's just going to be we'll prepare how we know how to prepare. And, again, one play at a time, 
one game at a time. And hopefully when the clock reads zero on July 9th, we'll be headed to Carolina in two weeks. Yeah, I think think that we're going to stack up nicely against them, and I think that we're we're preparing ourselves well, and I think it's going to show out on the field from, you know, special teams, offense, and defense. And I think if we, you know, we really need to just go out there and and play the games that we have all Mm -hmm. season. You know, there's always going to be a little tweaks with no matter what opponent you come up and, and see each week, you're going to adjust something. But I'm sure New York is creating some special things for us. I wouldn't expect nothing less. And I, I know it's cliche to say, but if we play Vixen football, I think we're going to walk. I would agree with that. Yep. Sorry, New York. <laughs> <laughs> you can you have that on next conference. week and they can, and they can t- trash talk us. Yeah. There you go. you got to believe in your team. But, you, yeah, you I mean, they the are yeah, well, they are going to be you know, our toughest opponent that we face this year, and you know, it's it's going to be a, a fun game to watch. Yeah, I I I think, you know, hopefully we have a bunch of people in the stands, obviously, but I, I am really looking forward to see how many people because we get we can get some stats from the webcast, and I'm really looking forward to see because I expect some national attention for that game since um, a lot of teams are already done. So oh yeah. You know. I didn't even think about that. Yeah, right. <laughs> they're going to all tune in online. Yep. So would you guys be able to give us the info on where the fans can watch this game coming up? On yeah, July townsquare.tv. Townsquare.tv okay. is the website. And then on the on the homepage, they've got a link to the game of the week. And I think our logo is even out there maybe. But if you click on the game of the week, there will be a link to us, and it will say watch now. And you should. Yeah. Well, not right now. Yeah. Or if you just go to, you know, mnvixen.com. Hey, you are PR. MN is in Minnesota. mnvixen.com. You know, we'll, we'll have a big link right there, too. Yeah. People to just come and, and click on it. We got our Twitter feed there, too. So for some reason, you can't watch the, you know, the thing. We actually have someone who actually tweets play by play. Nice. And that's oh, something that, that most teams—that's something that most teams don't do well. And I don't know why they wouldn't do that. You know, in terms of a, a, a live tweet cast. But uh, you yeah, guys right? do a great job of that. Uh, New York does a great job, and I mean, there's a lot of teams that do a great job. You you got to have a tweet cast, even if you don't have a live game. You, you still got to have some sort of medium for the fans to follow. So uh, congratulations yep. on the yep. website too, because the website's really yep. well done. It's very clean, simple. Uh, it puts it's the, the players' faces follow. out there. A lot of, I know a lot of teams do not put the players' faces out there. So, like for sponsors, you have no idea who you're sponsoring. It's just a name. You really got to put yep. a face up there. You know, uh, I, I think if you if you don't strive to put photos of your players uh, or a recap of the week to week game with like Moose says with some highlighted players that are making an actual impact week to week. Uh, then they don't get noticed as well. And fans can't dive in when they decide to show up, at, you know, in the stadium to watch them. They don't know what number 25 looks like. So exactly. it's just, you know, and, and it's a great yeah. team effort. Um, I think I wish you guys well against New York. New York's very hungry for a championship as well. Uh, yeah, they've had a they, tougher they battle, I think, in a lot of ways because the East, yeah, the East is a little tougher in some senses, they say, but you, until the game is played, we only know what t- how tough it is then. Um, so, Moose, uh, you are an uh, open card, like Troy would say, for a, um, you know, thrashing. You're, you're ready to go, ready to roll. It's uh, Nobody's taking you to the jail or anything like that. 
So Karen Mulligan, I guess we'd have to say be forewarned. I, that's what I would say. I, I, I'm, I'm saying we're, we're, we're coming for you, and you meaning the sharks. We're, we're, we're coming. Moose is just waiting for them to call that blitz for her to fly through there. I cannot wait, because I got <laughs> 600 pounds of people making me a hole to blitz through, and wow. then it's red flashing target on the quarterback. So that's wow. the way it goes. Well, you guys are very impressive defensive wise, as you talked about earlier. Very impressive defense. So you got to shout out to the defense. I think uh, on stat wise, if the stats are correct, thirteen points allowed. So uh, yeah. you know that's going to that be tough. Correct. That's a tough wall to overcome <laughs> in itself. Thirteen <laughs> points. Uh, so I hope uh, New York is ready, and I'm pretty sure they will be. Uh, Laura, thank you for making the time on a short notice. Really appreciate it. Moose, uh, this is for all the marbles. We wish you well. We hope that that's going to be the case. And then advancing to the uh, championship round so that you can get an opportunity to uh, hoist a trophy. Well, thank you very much for having us on. It's yes. been a pleasure. And, uh, it I was a lot of fun, ladies. Great. Thank you. It was so really we'll be great keep tabs uh, with you guys on Twitter and then also on Facebook. Uh, and thank you for following us also as well. You bet. Hey, good luck, guys. Have a great evening, good ladies. Luck. Look forward to July 9th Bye. at Town Square, uh, on Town Square of uh, Euro. So we're going to go ahead and uh, tweet that out and link it out as well. Perfect. Great. Thanks. Have a great evening. You too. Thanks. Take care. Good night. All right, guys, uh, Minnesota ready to rock against New York, July 9th, Eastern Conference uh, Independent Women's Football League Championship. Uh, so uh, they they win, they're in. That's basically the motto. And uh, from Moose's perspective, as uh, from Troy's perspective, it's just about, you know, not allowing the offense any points. And 13 points allowed in a season, one forfeit game, that's like out of their control. But that's pretty impressive, 13 points allowed in an eight-week season. Hey, if the, if the other team can't score, the other team can't win. That's where starts at. Just remember that, all you uh, fans out there, all you guys who like points and all of that stuff, no, nah, listen, if you're if the other team can't score, that team can't win. Just remember that. That's fundamentals, guys. Take it from me. It is fundamental. <laughs> it's about as basic as you get. Very basic. Um, let's bring it's in uh, in the Nojo Football Huddle. We're going to bring in uh, Tracy Day, uh, one of our No Joke Football supporters, and she was part of the Chicago-Boston game this past weekend, and uh, Chicago lost to Boston. So, Tracy, are you on the line? Yeah. Hi, guys. How are you? Hi, Tracy. How are you doing this evening in Chicago? Yeah, I'm good. It's uh, it's warmed up since the last time we spoke, so I'm enjoying the heat at the moment. Of course. Has that been helpful? Uh, generally, yes. <laughs> um, game wise, <laughs> a little bit closer to what we play in at home, so um, it definitely wasn't as much of a shock as the cold weather. That's for sure. Tracy, uh, this game was huge. It was probably as good as uh, Logan City versus Stingrays in a lot of sense, but with more history behind it. Um, mm. You guys took out their quarterback in the last matchup. So I don't know if they were, you know, ready for that or was that something that they had. Can you take us through the game in terms of how it happened and how it started and through the quarters? And obviously the ending was, wasn't something that you guys 
we're looking for, but uh, Boston moves on. So tell us a little bit about the matchup and coming into the matchup. Yeah, well, I mean, um, you know, like any sort of finals football, it was the atmosphere is always going to be different to your regular season games. But um, there was definitely, from our point of view, there was definitely no complacency or, um, you know, anything around sort of having that game in the bag or, or you know, automatically progressing through to whoever's, you know, one between DC and Pittsburgh. So um, I think there was, you know, at the very beginning, there was a little bit of nervous energy from, from both sides. And, and look, you know, we, we looked over on the Boston sidelines and there's definitely some key players missing and, and you know, a limited um, amount of people standing there. So um, I don't think ever we thought that, like I said, even even when we, you know, tossed the, the coin in the mill, I don't think we thought that it was going to be an easy game or, or you know, sort of, you know, just assumed uh, an outcome. So they came out hard. They they obviously had something to prove after, you know, the injuries with Cahill and and uh, maybe a little bit of um, you know, a little bit of uh, bruising on our team would have been nice for them. So they came out hard. They were they were executing plays really well. Uh, Twenty one. I'm not sure of her name. Sorry, but who, whoever sort of sitting in that quarterback seat at the moment was really active, both passing the ball and running the ball. So. It was really important, and, and we knew the focus was going to be, um, you know, from watching film, was going to be really stopping um, both her and, and number 10 and 33 in the backfield. So our defense, they came out firing. I think the, the first and second quarters, you know, they, they stopped them pretty much other than a touchdown, stopped them to, to three plays and out. So they had some big, big sacks and big tackles and, you know, some, some great loss of, um, you know, loss of yards. So they definitely were firing on all cylinders and the offense unfortunately we just you know I just you know we didn't execute our basics um like we'd been practicing and like we had all season and you know that's that's not one particular person's critique that just as a team you know there was missed blocks and, and drop catches and and fumbles and stuff that you just can't do you can't make in a playoff game that's you know do or die essentially so that first half was was pretty tough definitely um, and then obviously heading into the locker room at halftime, you really have to just regroup. And there's so many amazing players in our team that, you know, have been around for, you know, veterans of the game for, you know, 12, 13 years and, you know, have them sort of amp us back up at halftime. And we came out firing and, um, you know, our offense was really executing plays really well. We were making yards, we were storming down the, down the field and, you know, got some points on the board and, as the time, as the clock ticks away, unfortunately, just little mistakes. They, you know, they, they push you back, and, and Boston ran ran without their momentum was on, and you know, um, you scored a field goal, and, and you know, sort of sealed it out with their final touchdown. So, it um, yeah, it was it was definitely tough, definitely a tough game, and, and well fought, and congratulations to them for sure. Hey, Tracy, uh, Zoe had a good game, uh, and then got early on it was pretty tough, like you said, with the stops and stuff. And uh, Adrian Smith, uh, that's number 10. And then you guys got mm-hmm. to see Whitney Zeely, 33, which was mm-hmm. – she's basically the all-time leading rusher. She's like the uh, mm-hmm. the Emmett Smith of the WFA. So you got to see her live and in person. So uh, not at her best. She's been injured for the last two years. But I think a lot of it had to do with a very close game. I mean, this is 17 to 13, so – uh, competitive game, uh, so it's a credit to both teams. Uh, adjustments on your end on the, in the second half, as you said before, uh, but for Boston to sort of just stick it out, um, so you know they move on. So the experience with the force, Tracy, you, Zoe, 
uh, Danielle, uh, I mean, it, uh, how can you, you know, what has it been so far with the experience? I mean, the whole full season, now obviously you get the you know, opposite from the playoffs, but overall the Chicago land experience. Mm. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, it's it's no joke, and it, it's not a simple catchphrase when, when Force talks about, you know, Force family finish. It's genuinely, we feel like we've been welcomed into a, a whole other family across the world, and for not only the organisation and Linda, she's she's just amazing, but, you know, from the coaches and their family and all of the players, it's, it's like a second home to us, essentially. So, I mean... With the hospitality and the generosity from the organisation and players has been, you know, it's been second to none. And, you know, we've been welcomed and, and had some of our own fans find their way down to games that we've met in the street or um, at different sort of events and stuff. So it's been a really humbling and, and amazing experience. And I know Danny and, and Zoe, you know, we've, all of us have improved as, as players, which was obviously the main aim for us to come over here and be involved in an organisation that's so well run and so well coached and players have so much experience. That was our main aim to go home and, and take that, you know, new level back to, to our clubs and, and hopefully, you know, just share what our experience has been like and maybe encourage more girls to come over next year or, or in the future years and, and really, you know, get amongst it because it's, it's um, yeah, it's been an experience of a lifetime. Obviously, not the ending that we wanted. You know, we wanted to we wanted to be able to on the 23rd of um, July, you know, hold a championship ring and, and and go home with with that sort of accomplishment. But I feel that the this you know the games that we were involved in, you know, we contributed and and the team really you know really hustled around us. So it's it's been really humbling. Troy, anything for Tracy? Yeah, Tracy. Um... Going into that game, um, how confident were you guys um, as far as like uh, game plan and 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 I know that you, you you know initially you said you know you know you didn't you didn't overlook them because they lost the quarterback, but some part of you had to sit back and say number one you guys beat them the first time and then the second time going around that they were kind of understaffed. Like, how did mm-hmm. you feel going into that game, confidence wise? I mean, you, you always want to be confident and, and not only confident in your ability but what you've learned and what you've studied about the other teams that you're on your opponent that you're about to take on the field. So, you know, we watched a lot of film and as I'm sure you've spoken to Coach K before and, and you know, seen seen the way that he works and, and, and the way that he coaches his team and it was really important for us to really make sure we were prepped for that game almost as if they were full squad, um, you know, no injuries because we went into their game, you know, in their house and that was you know, what I feel was probably one of the best games that I've played for the fourth year. Not necessarily my, my performance, but as a team, I think we just, you know, we were, we were executing well and we were on a great rush and the energy was great. And, you know, that's what we had anticipated this game to be, the relevant of who their personnel was. So, yeah, we were confident in ourselves. Um, I think we came out a, a little bit flat um, and not really sure why that is and, and you know, myself included. So, um all we could really do was prep for the fact that what we'd seen on film, what we'd experienced playing them, and, and just sort of come up with a game plan around that and, and execute. And, and that's the key is just we needed to do more of that. So now that the season just unexpectedly ended for you guys, um, what's next <laughs> yeah. on your plate? I mean, I know that's just yeah. the hardest thing to do is, man, the, the, the days after is, is just, you know, I, I feel for you. I, I've been there before. It's not it's not pretty at all. But, just, yeah. um, 
what what's next on your plate? Like, what are you going to start doing? Mm-hmm. Are you going to are you head back to Australia? Are you already going to start your off season program? Like, what are you what are you going to be? Yeah. Up to? Yeah, so well, for me, I'm, I know Daniela and I are, are staying through until the end of the month, which we'd origin, originally arranged anyway. We, we want to, you know, um, experience as much as we can of Chicago and, and um, you know, get to know our teammates a bit more before we leave and, you know, hopefully get over to Pittsburgh to watch the, the championship game, which would, would be exciting no matter who's in it, and um, and then go home. And so for me personally, uh, the, the next really big challenge or, or, I guess, milestone in my football career is the national team for Australia. So... Coach uh, Anthony Stone and Coach Konecki are coming back out in February to make their final selections for, for the World Cup. So for me, it's going home and getting involved with my season that starts in a couple of months and, and just really getting in the gym, eating well, training hard. I've got a lot of um, extra weight to get rid of after all this amazing food in Chicago. So, oh, yeah. <laughs> Chicago <laughs> deep dish. Chicago deep dish. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, oh, so sounds just like me because I'm like, uh, if I've been to Chicago, I'd have been 400 pounds by now. I'm not even <laughs> Well, everyone's like, it's festival season. And at home, that for us means, you know, music festivals and stuff. But... We 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 um, sat down and planned out the next couple of months, and it all involved rib fests and burger fests and food truck fests. So, um, <laughs> yes, 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 yeah. You're right. Yeah, the taste of Chicago, honey. The taste of Chicago. You have to get it in. What, um, wow. Tracy? What do you think would be your biggest? And I know this is probably a really hard question to ask. What do you mm-hmm. think would be your biggest takeaway from this season in terms of? Mm-hmm applicable skills that you can take back to Australia? Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, the obvious one is 11-man football. So we don't play that at home. And, and even though World Cup right. will be 11 men, we're going to be behind the eight ball and essentially that, that we play nine-man football. And some of our, some of the states where, like where Danny plays play seven-man still. So that's going to be the biggest learning curve. And, and for us, when we came over here, adjusting to that, um, obviously, mm-hmm. you know, the the ability to run so much you know your plays and things are so much more in depth and complex and and creative so so that holds um a whole nother element as well um but for me i, I think that the coaching here and um from an organization point of view like the way our sessions our practices are run our trainings run you know the way that even we prep for our game days and and you know how we how we go about fourth life as has been an eye opener for me, and I hope to go home and and just really get girls to 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 take it seriously. And not that they don't at home, but you know it's just um it's on a whole other level here. And and I think for us to be able to compete at the World Cup, we need to you know treat this as a job and and really show up to practices and you know work really hard and and really work on not only our physical ability but our football IQ. So that's probably been been the biggest takeaway for me. Okay. And then you were also, and you said something else that, um, again, and I don't know, we really can't stress this enough, and and I know we've talked about it all night, but that word again, fundamental football, and you were Mm -hmm. saying that, you know, when you guys were playing against the Renegade and and that one of the reasons, you know, you were saying that you think was that you all forgot to play some of, and, and you didn't do some of your basic fundamentals, and 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 because there's a difference, you know, and you've touched on it in the past, even when we first spoke with you when you guys first got over here. What do you think were some of the fundamentals that are different 
between the Australian mm-hmm. game and the American game, not just the fact that you guys have got the numbers, but and you were saying mm-hmm. about the plays, but what are some of the fundamentals that you think are different and what are some of the fundamentals that are the same mm. in um, making those adjustments? Is that a loaded question? Yeah. No, no, no. I, I, I can see what you're saying. And I think, um, you know, for, for us at home, it's, and we we did touch on this the first time we spoke, um, the sport's in its infancy there. So, um, you know, we have great coaches and great people around us, but just from a player point of view, um, the fundamentals around, you know, you, I guess your, your specialty positions as well, like your, your quarterback and, and your receivers and, you know, your DBs and running backs and stuff. That, that's an art that the women we're playing against you know, have, have been sort of working on for, for years and years, whether or not it's through flag football or through full contact. So um, that for, for us is, has been um, a bit of an eye-opener. And, you know, defensively as well, fundamentals around, you know, ha- how to read and flow and, and actually make a form tackle and, you know, ha- have have that sort of um, ability to, to read and react better than we do at home. And I think that that's... Um, that's definitely something that not only I can work on, but the girls at home as well. Does that does that answer your question? No, it really does. Thank you very much. Okay. I I appreciated it. And and again, I've I've really enjoyed having you here in the states because just you know interviewing you and talking with you and listening with you, it's it's just always great to you know because we we read about the scores you know, from the ladies' games around the world. Mm-hmm. But it's so much better to have the opportunity to talk with you, to hear, you know, about your experiences and, 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 and the fact that, and I applaud you guys for even leaving Australia to come here to the state to play in the WFA. That's just huge in and of itself, you know, to make that um, continental divide and, and to help bridge the two um, games. So that was, a, I applaud you all for doing that and for giving us the opportunity to hear firsthand. Because like I said, you you you, you come off the paper for me. I, I don't know if that explains it, but, you know, we read the stats, we read the scores, but you guys being here have made have, have been live and in, in person, and that has really, I think, helped to even break down some of our own barriers, you know. So mm-hmm. thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. I like to think that there'll be more and more girls coming over to play and not just for the force, but, you know, like teams throughout the WFA and, and really um, have the same experience that the three of us have had and, and Ainsley and, you know, some of the girls from, from Europe as well. And um, I think it's, like I said, it's life-changing. So if we can get the word out there and girls have that courage to put their hand up and say, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this and, you know, better myself and, and have a blast while I'm doing it would be would be awesome for the sport and, and for players individually. Hopefully we can get some Americans coming to Australia. That would be that would be a nice little treat. Oh, yeah. I am already to come nice. cover you. Look, I didn't say I'm gonna come play, <laughs> but I am one hundred and ten percent ready to come and cover you yeah. because I've told y'all before, Sydney is on my bucket list. <laughs> I think right now I've got my house full for the next twelve months with people coming back to visit. So um you're always welcome. We'll show you around for sure. <laughs> awesome. Well thank you, thank you. Look, all uh, I need Tracy. is a corner of a couch. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Tracy, Coach Stone, and Coach Konecki will be back. He's setting camp on the seventh uh, February, uh, February of 2017. 
how mm-hmm. excited are you for that camp? I mean, there's a lot of talented Aussie ladies competing for spots on that team. Uh, yeah. You know, every spot is basically up for grabs. Um, so mm-hmm. there's going to be some disappointment. Um, I'm hoping all our no joke football supporters make the squad, which I, I have no doubt. Yeah. Uh, mm. <laughs> but uh, overall, I think it's very exciting times. It's sort of a building block stage. Um, it's really prideful stage for you guys too, because this is kind of like the part of the first, you know, full kit mm. international squad, you know, and I know you guys have yeah. that in, you know, in rugby, you guys have it in other sports as well, but this will be the mm-hmm. first. Uh, so how, how great would that be if you're on that squad on the final roster? That's going to, it's going to be huge, right? Uh, I, I would be I would be speechless. I think I'd be overwhelmed with emotion when that comes out. I mean, that's obviously my goal. I, that's why I came here is I want to really make sure that I'm at that level that I can compete with the USA and Canada and those types of people and you know make my mark on the Australian team. But like you said, there are so many women in Australia that are going to be at that camp that have so much talent in this sport and, and physically are, and, and mentally are, are real competitors. So, you know, I'm, I'm excited. I'm a little bit nervous about it, but... Um, you know, that's I guess that's all part of the process. And being here, actually, I mean, a lot of the fourth players have represented in, you know, I think 2010 and 2013. So we've had a chance to hear their stories and, you know, have those goosebump moments with them when they relive what it was like to, to win a gold medal. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm so excited. And, and talking to lots of girls at home about, you know, the buzz around it as well. And, you know, bring on February. It can't come soon enough for us. Tracy, thank you very much for making the time. I know it was late. Um, you probably, you know, you want to get to bed now. Um, I really appreciate it to say hi to Zoe and Danielle for me. And uh, continue to enjoy Chicago goodies for the rest of the time you're here. <laughs> and it's back to the gym, I guess, when you actually land down under. Uh, so, yeah. But uh, thank you for making the time. I really appreciate it. I really thank you for supporting our, uh, our brand as well and our project. And, uh, you know, we – didn't expect this outcome. Chicago was very, mm-hmm. very good. But like you said, you know, little minimum, minimal mistakes cause, cause you some points and some games. So at this point, uh, Boston's moving on, and you guys are mm-hmm. basically, uh, you know, hats off to you guys. Great season as well. And, you know, with Rachel and everybody else, Fornell, Gray, yeah. I mean, there was just so much talent on this team. Uh, but, uh, you know, great job yeah, on the season. And so we'll see you, I guess, uh for the Gold Coast Stingrays for the, the upcoming season and then obviously the national team in February. Hopefully. Thank you so much for your support as well, guys. It's, um, you know, it's, it's always so nice to, to see the co- not only the coverage of the sport but the exposure of the sport. And it's nice to have a little shout-out now and again. So we really appreciate it and keep doing what you're doing. Absolutely. Thank you, Tracy. Uh, safe travels back to Australia and Thank continue you. to enjoy the uh, goodies in Chicago. <laughs> Thanks, Thanks ladies. Good night. Bye. Good night. Thank you. Bye bye. All right. So uh, you we we got a packed show today. We only got a half hour, and we still got to cram in another guest. Uh, I can't be more excited than this. Um, and I forgot to mention at the top of the hour, you guys, and I mentioned it on Facebook. Uh, totally excited and glee. Uh, Block Talk Radio uh, football page. When you go to the Block Talk Radio under the football category, we are now um, at the front of it with the rest of the NFL crowd. So our radio podcast, even though we only got 16 followers, uh, with 16 followers, we are on that category as 
number one in that uh, in the realm of women's sports in terms of women's uh, gridiron. So congratulations to all of us, including Eric Brown and uh, Erica Lynn Anderson. Um, so, I mean, I, I just cannot be any happier at this point. So uh, thanks to all of us for making it happen, and we're going we're gonna to continue to do it because this is just so much fun, too, at the same time, and we can do it as well. So let's bring in, um, in the No Joke Football Huddle, let's bring in uh, Darren Steinke, who is going to go ahead and recap for us the Western Women's Canadian Football League final. Uh, Darren, are you on? Hi, guys. How are you guys doing out there? Darren. We're doing great, Darren. Oh, sweet. So, Darren, Darren. um, I will have to to say we're at crunch time, so I'm going to give you probably 10 minutes before we got to bail out of here, so I'm sorry for that. But I'm pretty sure you can recap in 10 minutes the exciting time. So, I saw your blog. And I saw a couple of the coverages that uh, Global Saskatoon had on there. You had uh, the Star Phoenix, the Leader Post. Everybody was pretty much covering the, the game. Um, your prediction came through. So it was another thrashing in the final. Yeah. And uh, I so, don't think I thought you know, Edmonton, it was going to be that bad. <laughs> but, right. Uh, but yeah. 81 points. Wow. Yeah. yeah, that was a new team record for the Valkyries, too with the 81 points. They scored in their first year in uh, 2011, they had a game where they scored 78 points. But, yeah, the Whoa. 81 points, of course, they beat the uh, in the Western Women's Canadian Football League title game in Lethbridge, uh, Alberta, Canada. The Valkyries beat the Edmonton Storm 81-6, to and that's been the talk of Saskatoon the last couple of days. Just And it's getting a lot of uh, reviews, I think, from everywhere because just the score was so startling, like, 81-6, to six. and yeah, that was a new team record for the Valkyries for points in a game, and the uh, spread, uh, the 75-point spread, that was their, tied the record for their largest margin of victory last year. They won a game against the Winnipeg Wolf Pack, 75 to nothing, so, wow. but yeah, this, uh, yeah, it was a, I, this team had been improving all year, and even, of course, this is Saskatoon's fifth title in the last six years, Um one of the um, one of the lesser known thing was on their 56 player roster, uh, 33 of the players had never been on any of the previous championship teams for the Valkyries. So wow. actually, this was actually a new experience for 33 players on there, and they're newcomers. Like they had 22 rookies this year, and like the newcomers they had, they come in were all good. And as the season went on, they were improving. And of course, when they played the uh, Edmonton Storm here in Saskatoon in an exhibition game. They won 30-17. to 17. And as the season goes on, like the coaching staff here with under Jeff Yowsey and, and Chris Henkin-Braun, like they're so good, and you saw the players improving, improving. So it gets to this game, and you're wondering, okay, how is this going to go? And I knew, knew their goal was to come in and get the league title back because because of what had happened last year when they lost in the conference final to Regina in that heartbreaking uh, 31-29 loss. And, yeah, when they came into the game, uh, one thing they did early, because there was a wind in Lethbridge, but it wasn't like the terrible Lethbridge wind. Like Lethbridge is Western Hockey League teams called the Hurricanes because the wind can be that strong there. But there was a bit of a wind, and the uh, Valkyries elected to take it for the first quarter because – the hope was to see how many points they'd get up and see if that be a metal block. And they came out and stormed out to a 30, 30 point, 30 to nothing lead after the first quarter. And they're just making plays. They had uh, Julie Friesen had a couple long touchdown runs. They had a short TD pass to Stacy Bolt. And then 
their rookie receiver used to be an ex-hockey star, Alyssa Weeb, had a 56-yard touchdown reception on her way to a 100-yard receiving game. And and by the time he hit the second quarter, he could just tell the morale on Edmonton's side just dropped. And the Valkyries, like, played textbook perfect. And, and also, too, when Edmonton's hopes kind of went down, too, I think that – Helped played in play into the score being worse, being as bad as it bad as it was, or being as lopsided as it was, and and then of course Saskatoon as the game went on, like in the second quarter, they pretty much wholesale changed out the whole roster and put in basically all the backups. And what they did was they rotated the starters and backups pretty much between each quarter. So the starters played the first and the third quarters, and the backups played the second and the fourth quarters. And, uh, and you you almost couldn't tell the difference between who the starters and who the backups were. Like everybody on Saskatoon's team played that well, and it felt like everybody was making big plays. And I guess also for a local angle in Lethbridge, uh, Carly Dick's on the Valkyries now, and she used to be a star for the Lethbridge Steel team for three years. But she had been in, of course, settled into Saskatoon because she had been a in school here, even for her last two years with the Steel, she'd be she was still in school here at the University of Saskatchewan and was traveling back to Lethbridge to play games before she decided she was just gonna stick around and play here. And uh, she actually got some pretty big cheers out there. And uh, in the second quarter, when when of course the Valkyries are up big, they got a play set into her where she got a 45-yard touchdown reception on a streak pattern. And, and she had a – it's funny, that was going into the wind. That's why I said the wind wasn't as strong. She also kicked a 32-yard field goal into the wind, too, and, and she had a couple field goals in that game, too, and pretty much did all the kicking duties. But she got to be – Darren, Darren mm-hmm. she had to have been very excited given the fact that she's lost to them three times as part of the steal yeah. before that. So Yeah, yeah she was it really – It was nice to be on the wind. Really pu- oh, yeah, she was really pumped to have won, to have won. and also – for her to have won back home, like it was a it was a big thing. I remember I talked talked her up for one of, for a blog story, and she was really excited to go home because like her whole her family, her parents, her family are still there, and she is, still has a ton of friends there, and she still has a ton of friends on the Leftbridge team there, and uh, and I, it's so funny because when I went to the stadium, I'd be talked because the Steel players were working all sorts of different facets of the game. And, I'm small chatting with a bunch of them, and they they're all saying they all still miss her, miss her a lot, and uh, miss having her around. But yeah, Carly was uh, super excited, and I think uh, the the way the plan worked out after I think the last practice, they were she was able to get into Lethbridge a little bit before the Saskatoon team did, and I think she was staying there a couple more days afterwards to be able to visit with everybody after the game was over. So, yeah, it was a it was a huge homecoming for her and to win and in front of everybody that had supported her, no seen her grow up. Like, that was, that was such a huge thing for her. Like, yeah. So. Now, Darren, the, the Valkyries, at the, at, we've talked about it before the last time we were here last week, they pretty much own it. So, you know, yeah. like you said, from coaching to the standard. So this is the standard barrier for the league. So yeah. we already knew coming into this game, you said the, the real final was basically, you know, you equated it to San Francisco Cowboys, which was last weekend, which was against mm-hmm. Regina. Um, yeah. So the powerhouses in this league are basically in Saskatoon as, you know, as normal. So yeah. did you get the feeling from Edmonton that this was – something that they can take back and sort of, you know, 
I know it was disappointing to lose and only get six points, but did you did you get the sense from any of the players they're like they had a chip on their shoulder? They're like, you know, they're the best in the West. They had nothing to be ashamed of. But the way this team is, you know, like you said, this, this team is built so many ways. It had to have been very depressing when you uh, when you take regular starters and then you're like for two quarters and then you're, the coaching staff says, oh, we're just going to have to fill in our second tier. <laughs> That's, yeah. I don't know about a player. If I was on the other side, I'd probably be like, what the hell is that? <laughs> yeah. Oh, I guess uh, it's almost at that point. Well, I think one thing for them was disheartening because uh, I can tell at the end of the game because you go, go by Edmonton's dressing room and there's a lot of tears on a lot of the players there because I think they thought they were they were going to do better than that. And more or less at the end of the game, it was just for on their side – shock and disappointment were probably the biggest emotions and it was just because they could stop it was almost a helpless feeling you couldn't stop anything stop anything no matter who was in there It'd be like i guess way even though i know in college football way back in the day in the uss was a bad team but be like jimmy johnson when he coached the miami hurricanes and they'd throw in <laughs> anybody and they just keep well, uh, you're basically a player at this level. If you want to do something about it, you got to try and try and stop us because we're still yeah. our backups are going in. We're still running all our plays. And but uh, wow. yeah, and also for Saskatoon side, like really there was wasn't an intention to run up the score, but once everybody else went in, and they're getting them all their getting all the plays in because they'd practiced all these plays too. So they wanted they wanted to get to be able to showcase them in a game and stuff. And and plus also the one thing is I know I talked to a few people like around, well, I talked to friends that are around the league and uh, players that on Facebook that play on other teams, like you got a friend who plays on the Calgary Rage. And one of the things is, well, you look at the game film and you watch the Valkyries play and you see, okay, what's possible with this game? Like just how well prepared they are, how well they play, like, like, there is something there to aspire to. Like you want to be able to play at that level. It's, it's possible because they're doing it. So I guess that's for, I think when the storm set back and look back at everything, like that's probably the message they'll probably take is, Hey, this is, this is what's possible. If you kind of like the Valkyries players train all year, they start practices like three months before the season gets going. And of course, Locally here, they're starting to get players from their the flag league. Like, say, their two quarterbacks are both youngsters. Alex Ellison's a rookie. She's, like, 18. And then Reed Thorstein's a second-year player, and they both came out of the flag league, and they're they're their two quarterbacks, and they don't look out of place. And, the, and yeah, it's just when you got everything set up, this is what, what you can be. So it, that's something – if I was one of the other teams, that'd be something you want to – try and strive for it because you get to yeah. that level you're going to have some doozies of some games Tori you got anything for Darren here hey Darren how's it going man it's going good Troy how are you good how are you doing uh pretty well pretty well yeah. so with, with the blowout uh something mm-hmm. like that how do you think I mean because I, I know one of the one of the drawbacks that I hear from people when when the women's game is presented to them is is in mm-hmm. a lot of instances you get a lack of competition. So 
in so many respects, what do you think? Do you think that, uh, you know, a score like that kind of detracts people from from taking a look at the game because of the lack of um, uh, the lack of uh, competition as opposed to the dominance by one team? Do you think that that hurts it a little bit? Um, it's uh, Up in Canada here, it's hard to – we'll be still kind of at the point where it's hard to judge because, uh, of course – in Saskatchewan, the Valkyries, and down in Regina, the Regina right, like both those teams are big deals here. Like in in Saskatchewan, like they're they they in the six short years they they've progressed to the point they're big deals and they have pretty good links into the communities and with other the other big football teams on the men's side, like be it the uh, Hilltops in Saskatoon or the Hus- Uva- University of Saskatchewan Huskies in Saskatoon or Intergiant with the University of Regina Rams or the Regina Thunder Junior team. And I, I think in the other cities, a little bit, sometimes I still see women's football a little bit as a as a novelty. And we come out to games, it's they still think it's kind of a cool thing. Oh, there's women are playing football. It's not something you'd normally think you would see, like even uh, I've got a little niece who lives in Vancouver and she was totally, believe it or not, totally unaware that they played, women played full out tackle football out in the uh, three prairie provinces here in Canada in Manitoba, Saskatchewan and Alberta. And she thought like, this is like the coolest thing ever. And she went, uh, she probably like my, uh, thinking about my young niece, she didn't, doesn't even care what the scores were. She just like thinks it's cool seeing players, playing full contact football, playing in full uniforms like the guys play and running full out plays like the guys do. So um, I'm not sure how long it'll have for the league to be around before people start maybe getting detracted for the competition's sake. I'm not sure how many more years would have to pass yet, but but I think uh, for the most part, there's still that novelty and in Saskatchewan where the – Valkyries and Riot are big. I don't think anybody would be turned off from the scores because everybody here is so wired into football. You're going to do it no matter what. And, of course, those two teams are going to keep pushing for each other. So uh, when the next season comes out, whenever the Valkyries and Riot play, like those games immediately get circled by everybody on the schedule as, okay, this is the much – this is must-watch time for sure. Out of, like you still go to the other games, but those games are the ones you get like hyped up for. So and that's just kind of where kind of things sit in Canada, at least from my view so far. Man, that sounds like my kind of town, man. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> just football junkies, man. See, that's what I'm talking about. Yeah. Oh yeah. Hey, you want to see football junkies? I think you should show up in Regina in two days. The Saskatchewan Rough Riders open their season. Then it gets really crazy. Ah, That's a man out there. Yeah. Troy's going to get to see it on TV because he watches the CFL. So he'll get to see the big, the big green out there in the sea of green. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Darren, well, thank you for the time. I really appreciate it. Uh, We are uh, tweeting and sharing your blog on the recap of the game, as well as some of the other sources that were covering it. Um, Oh yeah. Appreciate you being there and and give us the insight. Mm Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, and, uh, and thanks for having me on the show, and thanks for the retweets uh, of my blog and the end of the pictures. A lot of people enjoy my pictures, too, but uh, it's definitely helped because I, uh, I think out of all the teams I write about, uh, pretty much I think the Valkyries right now are the team that most people uh, 
my Valkyrie's posts are basically my most read posts right now. So, so oh, yeah. yes, thank for you guys sure. for your help in that too. <laughs> yeah, well, no problem. Thank you for all the great work you do and for actually exposing them as well and showcasing them out there as a focal point of women's football. And so we really appreciate it. So we'll look forward to the next season and we'll bring you on as well as, and then start the recap of when the two, you know, the next season starts and we'll see if, uh, you know, Saskatoon just at this point, you know, you can't say, but they are a dynasty uh, in the, in their realm of the woods and um, mm-hmm. five championships in six seasons. That's just so impressive. So congratulations to them, to the whole WWCFL, as well as to the Edmonton storm for making it to the final. And uh, so continued success. Thank you for networking with us and bringing a uh, focus for the WWCFL. Yeah, my pleasure. And uh, yeah, we'll see you guys next season. All right, Darren. Thanks, awesome. Buddy. Thank you, Darren. Have a great night. Okay. Yeah, take care, guys. All right, guys. A uh, lot of a lot of stuff this hour. Wow, it's just it's been it's been crazy. So we got about 15 minutes, Troy. Um, let's go through legends. I know you. We were looking at week nine and week ten. This past weekend was week eleven, and we were a little behind. But um, just go with week nine. You said uh, Los Angeles must win against Austin, and your predictions were correct. But what of a hell what a hell of a fight Austin gave Los Angeles in that game. At one point it was pretty competitive. I mean, Michelle Marshall, Tisha Tisha Winfrey and uh you know, it just, it just they played their hearts out. And uh Los Angeles made a lot of mistakes, you know, a lot of penalties. It it almost cost them the game. Um and you could see uh, uh Mo, Mogax just completely frustrated in that game, knowing that they were better than that. Uh, the two-quarterback system worked pretty well in the beginning. Um, uh, Jane Caldwell did pretty well in terms of the first three quarters, and then you, they had put in Patterson in, and there were some hiccups there as well. But overall, uh, you got to hand it to Austin. They played their hearts out. They lose 49-32, but, um, you know, they end the season on a high note. Yeah, I mean, Austin, they, 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 they played tough. I was actually very surprised, especially since their last outing against Dallas. Man, they, they didn't look good at all. I mean, they looked kind of befuddled, they, you know, they weren't executing, and you still saw a little bit of that in this past game also, because I mean, it's a little bit of everything I mean, you see that when you have a team that's kind of on the cusp of trying to be good, and they have a lot of young players and new players on there I mean, they played, you know, they were played by bad play execution uh, bad calls, sometimes you would see uh, Tashay Winfrey she would do a late toss on a handoff I mean, those are things that you see, like, fundamentally that you don't see from, like, a Seattle or you don't see that from a Dallas or a L.A. team. So, you know, they still have some work to do. But, I mean, overall, I was impressed with them. Uh, of course, I like to see Selena Fudge out there. She's tough as nails. The one player I was really impressed about on Austin, though, was, was Michelle Marshall. Um, tough. She's tougher than a coffin nail, man. But – the one thing it just oh it just bothered me. She did not have to take those hits like that, man. You know, what I mean, if Michelle, she needs to learn how to lower her pad level a little bit. You know, and and she she doesn't look comfortable running in open field. She just takes way too many big hits, man. But if you find anybody on that team that's tougher than her, it's Selena Fudge, man. I mean, wow. I mean, those two right there are the toughest players on their team by far. So, I mean, these guys are leaders right there. But hats off to L.A. I mean, the way that they play, uh, Nas Johnson, she started off running well. Jane Caldwell, was a, she was a beast. 
Oh my God, man! I mean, the oh, yeah. first half of the game, she was she was just killing it out there. I mean, just, they were yeah. like comparing her to Tim Tebow. I mean, that it looked like Tim Tebow at Florida, you know, not Tim Tebow. Oh yeah, <laughs> not Tim Tebow for the Jets. You know, I mean, not to, you know, and a little bit of Tim Tebow. She looked better than Tim Tebow for Denver too, but she looked really, really good out there. And I know they want to give Kiara Patterson a look because you don't let a talent like that just sit on the bench. She's going to waste away. You want to see what you have in her. And they put her in the game the first play that they had in their first possession in the third quarter. She just, you know, went back. She cocked it back. Boom. Let's go back. Let's go to the house. I mean, it was it. I mean, so I see the talent that they have in her, and she's a heck of a runner. But I think they started to, you know, sputter a little bit, you know, because you want to keep that continuity. And that allowed Austin to get back into the game. But to Shea Winfrey, again, another young player, she needs to just uh, do better, a lot a lot better on her decision-making. I mean, you see, she sometimes she'll throw up a jump ball, and then she'll flash that great athleticism, and she'll make a great pass, or she'll make a great run, just a tough play. But then she'll make, you know, that inexplicable mistake where she'll hesitate on the toss play, and, you know, and it kind of messes up the timing of the play. When you see things like that, you don't see things like that from a Seattle team. You don't see that from a Chicago team, an Atlanta team. Those are the things that they're going to need to get over the hump to to become a better football team. But you all, but you saw the potential that they have when they went up against LA. Now, Troy, the uh, the Saturday Week Ten game was, was oh, basically I'm, I'm this sorry. kind of a preview. Sorry, one, one more, Saturday, one more thing I have to say. One more thing. One ahead. more player I, I have to mention. Lily Granston. Wow. She, she is about as aggressive as I've seen in, in, in women's football. She's the best tackler I've that seen. Kid, the the kid was suicidal. Far. Can you tell us she was suicidal? She, she was kind of suicidal. Maniac. Like, no pain on, on, the, on the hurt. Um, I forgot to mention Lilani Lopez. Big, yes. you know, small yes. statured receiver, but very elusive. Able to get away yes. in the corners. Nobody covered her. Uh, I mean, it was just, you know, she was just open. If they would have taken more advantage of her, I think they would have beaten L.A. But they yes. didn't take advantage I mean, but, of some of her elusiveness. Yeah, I mean, but Lily, Lily Grant, somebody's got to talk to her. I mean, she's she, she's got problems. <laughs> <laughs> She's oh, a yeah. maniac out there. I, I don't know what someone – she obviously does not like Austin because the way she played out it's there, true. she just wanted to destroy everyone. I it was the, uh, it was the Marshall, the Marshall uh, uh, Granston show for a little bit there for a couple series. That was kind of Yeah, huge. man. I mean, you talk about some contact. That's contact for you yeah. right there. That's football. That was a beautiful thing. Out yeah. there. I just wanted to go ahead and throw that out there. Shout out to Lily Granston. Now, uh, Saturday, the game that we were looking at, uh, Seattle-Dallas, and you called it at the beginning of the season. Uh, you called Dallas after the L.A. game. That was back in uh, week three. And you said this uh, – I'm sorry, week three. Um, it was desire week five. After week five, you said on this show, watch out for the desire. And so uh, your prediction has come true. They, they literally take care of the champs, 26-21 the evolution of Michelle Angel at quarterback and the uh, Jay Randall at receiver. Uh, and then you add the element of your favorite Victoria Thomas. This is a, this is a team to be reckoned with. And I think Seattle did not expect that when they came in. And so they're going to get another crack on August 20th. 
So I doubt L.A. beats Atlanta. I don't want to say they can't, but Atlanta put a 77-burger on uh, Omaha, and I know L.A. is not Omaha, but if Atlanta, unless Atlanta loses, L.A. has to win versus Atlanta. Otherwise, we're looking at Seattle versus Dallas once again, and this is at the Shower Center in Seattle, and this is for the biggest prize, which is to go to Legends Cup if it happens that way. Well, Seattle fundamentally, is, to me, is still the best team. I just think the way that they execute, I mean, just the the way that that team executes during the games, uh, I mean, they're they're just a fabulous team. But you, what you started to see is in the second half, a lot of miscues started to happen. You had K.K. Matheny who, you know, threw the ball across the field, and that's a fundamental no-no in the game. You don't throw across your body across the field because you're asking for it, and then the ball got picked off. Uh, they had some turnovers on downs. Um, they also, you know, she, I think she, t- she threw two picks in that game. There was a few fumbles. You, you can't do that, especially against a team that's as physical as Dallas. But give Dallas credit. They capitalized on it. And I think the biggest point that I wanted to make as far as, like, when the tie started the turn was when Danica Brace went down in that first quarter. What a player. I mean, it, it, I wanted to see that matchup so bad. I wanted to see her against Victoria Thomas because what you see with Danica Brace is she, she was linebacker last year. Um, she moved They moved to the strong safety. But she still has that linebacker mentality. She she flies downhill. When she sees that some running players reckless, she goes in there and she hits Victoria Thomas in the backfield and Victoria Thomas fell. That's the only time I've seen anyone take down Victoria Thomas just by herself, just by one player. And I was just like, this is, that's going to be a battle all game. When she went out with the concussion in the first quarter, I think the tie started to turn a little bit, even though Seattle still had the lead. But I, what I felt like is I think – I think Seattle got a little too cute. What they wanted to do was give the ball, you know, to to anyone but Stevie Schnorr. You got to give the ball to the bull. I mean, that's that's your that's your that's your horse. That, you know, that's that's your that's your that's your bell cow right there. Give her the rock. I know they were trying to save her for the fourth quarter, but then you save her for the fourth quarter, and you know you end up getting turnovers or what have you. And and then give Dallas credit; they made the stops when they had to. You know, when you end up trying to make a calculated – I mean, I just think Michelson, I think Coach Michelson just got a little too cute out there. You know, he should have played yeah. his strengths, and his strengths is Stevie Schnorr. But you, but you do, just yeah, to your point, you also I, I think have to the, give Jay Randall a lot of crap too, man. What a talent. I mean, yeah, geez, man, she, she looked I like Megatron out the there. Reach. The reach on her is amazing. If you get the ball up with just a little eye, she gets it every time. Um, just a lot of weapons on Dallas. you got to give credit to the Bullet brothers for really putting a good game plan together. The balanced run game with the balanced pass game, uh, I think they executed pretty well against Seattle. They stayed toe-to-toe on every score almost. Um, yeah, shout out but, to middle you know, If they meet up on August 20th. Yeah, exactly. Former Indianapolis Colts. So they've good game planning for them. I mean, they've done well in terms of coaching this team. They've, I think they've done well in terms of elevating uh, Michelle Angel's level of play as well. And the front line of that offense has really kept them upright. They, they really haven't got to her. And the mobility level has in, increased. So um, we got a couple minutes here, five minutes out. But we're going to recap uh, next week, Chicago, New England, 
which was a 70-7 to thrashing of the Liberty at home. Uh, just like Omaha, I think both New England and Omaha have to go to the mirror and realize that they're not at that same level. And unfortunately for them, they've lost a couple players. I think the, both Omaha and New England were running with under 15 players. So that right there alone tells you that they're not, they're not committed, they're not focused, because the normal roster on an NFL squad is about 20 players. So they've dropped off. Some players just didn't feel like they were committed to the teams, and the results are pretty there. I mean, you got 77-0 versus Atlanta versus Omaha, and you got a 70-7 to against the Bliss. And, not, and to tell you, against Chicago, uh, it was all Jacinda Barkley, and there was really no uh, Crystal Harris. So that's got to tell you a lot, because if there was a Crystal Harris playing the, the, the whole game, I think it would have been like 130-7. to would have been another NFL, uh, LFL record. So the last, the last week eight and this coming week that you'll watch, pretty horrible football to watch. I mean, it's great football if you like scoring, but it's pretty horrible in terms of score. So um, for uh, next weekend, we'll recap that, which is Chicago and New England. This uh, July 2nd, you're going to get Omaha taking on Chicago Bliss. So Omaha, we already saw, pretty looked pretty horrible against Atlanta. I do not expect them to look any better against Chicago, but uh, of course that's why they have to play the games. But uh, Jacinda, Jacinda Barkley, she's looking pretty impressive. So um, you guys, uh, we were talking about Ryan, but we can do that next week as well. But uh, we already pretty much said what we needed to say. Uh, Inkishi, welcome back. Look forward to next Tuesday as we get into the WFA playoffs, the final four. You're looking at D.C. taking on Boston. And then you got number one ranked Dallas Elite taking on the Central Cal War Angels. So we're going to see if we have Neil, Rose, uh, Neil Rosenthal next Tuesday so we can recap that game and the matchups and the previews for that as well as the IWFL playoffs as well. So um, for Inkishi Free, Troy Wilson, uh, Oscar Lopez saying have a great night, everybody. We'll see you here next Tuesday as we recap the uh, women's games in the finals in the U.S. and as well as Legends Football League as well. Again, have a great night, everybody.